Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Welcome those online. It's a privilege to have you here. Let me tell you something that I'm excited about. Um, as you know, if you've been part of our church for some time, that we put together a, a discipleship course called Foundations, people who are checking out who, um, who Jesus is and also who, who, people who are new to, the, new to the Christian faith. And right now during our 9 o'clock service for the next, I don't know how long, we're running Foundations during our 9 o'clock service. There's a bunch of people in our youth room doing Foundations right now, which is pretty awesome. It goes for 11 weeks, and if that's something you're interested in, go to the Starty desk and we will uh, connect you because that will lay the foundations of the Christian faith for you. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Are you ready for the word this morning? Are you ready for the word this morning? Come on. Father, we want to thank you that you are a God who loves us, who is for us. We've sung this morning one word from you, things change by your authority. So, Father, we ask that you would speak to us today as we look at your word. Lord, that you would speak to us today. Open our ears, hearts to hear from you. Give me your line. I need to, pre- to present this clearly. Father, I pray for everyone at home, everyone in the room. Father, that you would speak to us and bring great transformation to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, back in 2006, 2006, who was anyone not born in 2006? Were you born in 2006? Some of you guys were definitely one, one person, not born in 2006. A guy in our church named Sam thought it would be smart to do an Easter egg hunt at Playford Park. And I have a picture of a girl here with a bunch of Easter eggs. Well, the first year we had about three or 400 people and about, I don't know, a few thousand eggs. And we threw them out and it was a huge success. So we just decided to continue this event. And each year it got bigger and bigger, more people. And we went to a stage program. There's a, a picture of the crowd with the stage program. And we went to barbecues and we did, um, we did guests. Mr. Scipioni came and spoke and we had kids' characters and an outdoor movie set. And the crowds grew and the crowds grew. So much so that we, we, we needed to get more eggs. So as the crowds grew to three or four or 5,000 people, about 5,000 people, we ended up buying 30,000 Easter eggs. And because there were so many kids, we had to break them up into sections. Here's the seven-plus section, and there's my little boy, Joel. He's right there, if Joel's in the room. Um, There's a seven-plus section, and there's another bunch on the other park. And then there's people all lined up, ready for the appointed time, an important word for today, the appointed time where I'd get on the microphone and I'd go, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and then the kids would run. All of a sudden, they would bolt. And they would run and they would pick up the Easter eggs, all 30,000 Easter eggs. It was a really fun time. It was, it was a great time. Today I want to speak to you on Acts from Acts chapter 2, looking at the day of Pentecost. The last couple of times I've spoken, I spoke from Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Then we looked at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to speak to you about the next big event in the book of Acts, the uh, day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is a super important day. It's the day where God, Jesus, is the baptizer in the Spirit. Jesus baptizes his people with the Holy Spirit so that they will have power to be witnesses. And what we see in Acts chapter 2, the Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of that fulfillment. As Peter stands up and preaches the message of Jesus, and 3,000 are saved. Just like those kids were all lined up 
ready to get the Easter eggs. And at the appointed time, three, two, one, go, those kids went. Well, Pentecost is the appointed time that God has said to his people to go into the world and go and get the people that I prepared for myself. Go and get them. Acts 2, as I said, is part of the fulfillment of what we see in Acts chapter 1, 4, and 5, where Jesus says, while he was still on the earth, he's risen from the dead, he's walking the earth, talking to people, and it says on one, one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Who, like, who, are, the, who are the people who like to wait for things? That's not me. I like to get it done quickly. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then down in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, power to witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, end of the earth. And when we hit Acts chapter 2, we have the beginning of the fulfillment of this message of Jesus going out across the earth, starting in Jerusalem, as Peter witnesses to what Jesus has done in his life. So what I want to do is I want to take you to Acts chapter 2, and I want to read to you the first 13 verses, and then we're going to come back, thank you, Christy, and unpack it. Here it is, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nature under heaven. When they heard this sound, the sound of the, the wind, the sound of the people speaking in tongues, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans or people from Galilee? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Christus from Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. <laughs> and Peter responds, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, we're not drunk, it's the move of the Spirit. Now, Looking at, looking at this scripture at, at face value, and that important word, faith, that, that little phrase, face value, we see Acts chapter 2, the, the day of Pentecost. The believers are in one place. The Holy Spirit comes. There's a sound, like a wind, sound of a wind. And then they saw what looked like tongues of fire. And the baptism in the Spirit is around power, but also around holiness. And that fire is around holiness and purity comes and lands on each one of their heads and they know that they've been filled with the spirit because they spoke because they spoke in tongues now some christians believe that tongues is the only uh, the, the first the, the, the first and only evidence of the holy spirit being baptized in the spirit i don't believe that i don't think you can back that up scripturally however that is my experience when i was 
um, prayed for to be filled with the Spirit. I, I spoke in tongues. It was an incredible experience, life-changing for me. And, it, and if that's something that you haven't had, I encourage you to pursue that. Um, speaking in tongues is a prayer language that, that our God gives you where you're praying the very will of God. The Bible says that it edified you, it builds you up. Go for that. I'm not going to spend any more time on that today just to, 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 to encourage you to, to pursue that gift and to pursue the baptism in the Spirit so you'll be empowered to be witnesses. And then as they're speaking in this new language, they must have went outside because these Jews who have come from all over the known world have come to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's the Feast of Weeks, which we'll get to in a few moments. Three times a year they had to come to Jerusalem. That was the second time. And they hear them speaking in their own language. Now, usually when you're speaking tongues, you don't normally understand what you're saying. It's a heavenly language. It's a prayer language. But in this case, God gave the people the ability to hear their speaking in their own language. And they think, what is going on here? These people are from Galilee. They don't know our language. What is going on? Maybe they're drunk. We don't know what's going on. And then as you go on from that, in verse 14, Peter stands up and says, Hey guys, we're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Let me tell you what's going. You remember back in Joel, the Old Testament book of Joel? God promised he was going to send his spirit. Here it is. Then he told them about Jesus, the one who had, been, who had died and rose from the dead. He talks about King David and how King David spoke about someone who was going to be a king who was going to live forever and rule forever. And at the end of his speech... He says to the people, the, 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 the people say to Peter, actually, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and believe the good news. And on that day, the Bible says 3,000 people were baptized. It was the birth of the church. It was the beginning of the souls coming to Jesus. Now, as we read that text, that's what we see on face value. There's actually... There's actually much, much more going on underneath the surface. And that's where I want to go today. Today's going to be a little bit heavier. We're going to go deep. And then, we're to, then you're going to be challenged at the end. So hang in there because I think it's going to be worth it. What I want to show you from this text is, number one, that God has a big picture. And we see a glimpse of it on the day of Pentecost. And the second thing I want to share with you is that it's, it's, it's harvest time. The harvest is ready. Go and get them. So as we look at this first idea of God's big picture, that is, a, that is, on the day of Pentecost, we get a glimpse of what God's big picture is all about. And this, God, this idea of God's big, big picture is so helpful for us. You know, over the last few years, we've been in a season around COVID, which has been really unknown and has brought a lot of fear and anxiety to some people. And, and, and a lot of lives have been affected. There's been people um, around businesses have been majorly affected. There's um, people have had conflict around relationships. There's people have lost lives and got sick and the health system and all this stuff has gone on. And that just goes on top of the normal ups and downs of life. Because in life, even without COVID, we, go through all, we, we are go through difficult seasons. Seasons where we think to ourselves, God, what is going on? It could be a relationship bust up. It could be a financial thing. It could be a sickness. It could be a multitude of things. And when we get ourselves in that position, when things are in chaos outside of our control, 
it's easy for the anxiety and the worry and the depression and, the, and all the stuff of life to really grab a hold of us and, and get us on, off track, get us off track from where God wants us to be. But it's in those moments, in those moments of chaos, when life is not going as you expect it to, I want you to remember today that God is on the throne. That God is on the throne. And that he is fulfilling his purpose. That God has a plan. And nothing and no one is going to stop that plan. And God is bringing his plan to fruition. And it's in those moments of chaos we can take our mind off our stuff and look to him knowing that he is the sustainer. He is the one who's holding it all together. And he has got a plan that he's working out. And we see part of this plan in the book, in, in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 starts with the phrase, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, Pente means 50, and it's, and it's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And we're told that the people, that people, that they are Jews from all over the world, have come to Jerusalem to celebrate a feast. What is this feast? Well, the Pentecost is actually the Feast of Weeks. 40, well, 50 days, 49 plus one day after the Feast of Firstfruits. And what God did, he grabbed the feast that God gave Moses as a plan or a picture of what God was going to do. And then we see Jesus' fulfillment of each of the feasts, and there's still three to go. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you back to Leviticus chapter 23 today. And I'm going to try to explain to you really simply the feasts and how Jesus has fulfilled them, which show us God's big plan. Now, how I'm going to do this, I've, I've got a picture on the screen, and I'm, and I'm going to take you through it. But before I do, the first thing, you'll notice where it says feasts. A way of defining the word feast, another way of defining it, is to define it as Appointed times. God has appointed times. He wants his people to remember and celebrate God. The first thing God gives his people is a Sabbath, where every sunset on Friday, so let me go back, Leviticus chapter 23, God says to Moses, tell the people to celebrate these appointed times. And the first one is a Sabbath that starts on Friday at sunset and goes through to sunset on Saturday, and they'll celebrate that every week. Then, in the first month of the Jewish calendar, it's different to our calendar, during, it's most likely March, April time of year. On the 14th day of the first month of, the, of their year, March, April, I want you to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover was to remind the people that they've come out of Egypt, that they've put the blood over the doorframe to protect the people from God's anger through the angel of death. Remember, um, there, were, there were nine plagues, in, that are God brought to Egypt so that Pharaoh would release the people. And the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn. And God said, to be protected from my judgment, to be protected from the angel of death, you need to get a lamb, kill the lamb, put blood over your door frames. And the blood will be your protector. It will protect you from God's judgment. And they're to celebrate that every year on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of the first month, the, the very next day, they're to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
Unleavened bread is simply bread without yeast, like Lebanese bread. It's flat. No yeast in it, right? And the reason they had to do this is because the very next day after they put the blood on the doorframe, it was time to leave Egypt because um, Pharaoh said, all right, go. And there was no time for the yeast to get, in the, to get in the dough and for the bread to rise. And so they had unleavened, that flattened bread. And God wanted them to remember this every year because it reminded them of coming out of Egypt, but it's also about a fresh start because the yeast throughout the scriptures is related to sin. And even the Jews today get rid of all the yeast in their house. They give it to the neighbors for that feast, that Passover and unleavened bread, because yeast is a, is, a, is a picture of sin. And that picture that God gave Moses was about leaving the old life in Egypt behind and starting a new life away from sin, holy with me. The third thing, the, our third feast we, three, we, we see is on the day after the Sabbath, after the 15th. So whenever the 15th lays, go to the next Sabbath, and the day after the Sabbath, all Jews are to bring the crop, the first of the barley harvest to Jerusalem, first time everyone's in Jerusalem, and offer it to the Lord as an offering. First time they're in Jerusalem. The next, the, the fourth feast happens, the fourth feast, the fourth appointed time happens 50 days later, and this is the day of what? Pentecost also known as the Feast of Weeks. Seven full weeks. Seven, lots, seven times seven is 49, and the day after, 50 days. Where the people again would come to Jerusalem, this time with the first of the wheat harvest, and they'd offer that, and they thank you, God, for all that you've given us. And then they had three more during the seventh month. And at the beginning of the seventh month, they had the Feast of Trumpets, which was simply a day to worship God, where they'd give a food offering. Then... On the, got to get this right, there's lots of dates and days. Then on the 10th day of the seventh month, they had the Day of Atonement. You may have heard the story of the, scape, the uh, scapegoat, where the priest would get two goats, one they would let free, one would die for the sin of the people. And the priest would sacrifice that lamb as a way of covering over the people's sins, the Day of Atonement. And then the seventh one was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was around the, the, uh, the, um, the harvest of the grapes, and the olive, and they would again come to Jerusalem for the third time and say, thank you, God, for all that you've given us. Now, are you still with me? No. I'm sorry, Nick, but this is going to be an overview. There's so much more I could say here, right? If you want to know more, dig in deep. We've only got a short time. That's what God gave Moses in Leviticus chapter 23. And it was, this is 1,500 years before Jesus. And the Jews were to celebrate this feast every year except for the Sabbath, which they did every day. But it actually pointed to Jesus. Downstairs in our kids' ministry, they're talking about the clues that God gave the people about Jesus being born and Jesus coming into the world, the clues. And God gives us clues about what he's going to do. And this is what we see here. Now let me show you how Jesus fulfilled these feasts. The first one I want to take you to is the Passover. On Easter Thursday, before Good Friday, Jesus ate the Passover. He is. Jesus is the Passover lamb whose blood was shed to protect us from God's judgment upon us. Because we put our faith, and if you're a Christian, you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus', Jesus blood protects us and washes us clean. So we're no longer under God's judgment. He was a sacrificial lamb. The second feast was on Good Friday the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was the day that Jesus was crucified. 
On that Passover, Jesus ate the Passover, and overnight he was betrayed, he was arrested, and on Good Friday he was tried and crucified on that Good Friday at about nine in the morning. And he was on that cross till about three in the afternoon. And that's a picture of Jesus dealing with sin. Remember, the yeast is representative of sin. And Jesus removes, the yeast removes the sin from our lives on Good Friday, which was when he died on the cross, to take our sin for us. The next thing we see is the Sabbath, Easter, Easter Saturday. Jesus was in the tomb over the Sabbath. It was a time of rest. And then we hit the third feast, Easter Sunday, which is the, first, the feast of first fruits. Remember, that to come to Jerusalem and bring the first of the barley, well, friends, Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead, and he rose on the Feast of First Fruits. Isn't that amazing? The first thing, we see Passover, Jesus eating the meal, dying on Good Friday, rising again Easter Sunday, the, the, the Feast of First Fruits. And then when we hit Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, seven full weeks, 50 days is the Feast of Wheat. Again, they all come to Jerusalem. God, thank you for what you've given us. That was when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Isn't that amazing? And then we have three more feasts, which Jesus has not fulfilled yet. He's fulfilled four, but this fifth one he hasn't because it is the Feast of Trumpets. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you'll hear the sound. Jesus will return and the dead in Christ will raise and will go and be with him forever. That's the day he returns. Six. The judgment day is a day of atonement where we will either be, on the day of judgment, you'll be accepted into God's kingdom or you'll be sent to eternal death. That's the day of judgment, that feast. And the final one is the, is the new kingdom, which is about the feast of tabernacles, which is about the olive and the grapes. And this is the feast where Jesus will rule with his people in eternity forever. Friends, this is God's big picture that is seeing fulfilled. When you are going through life and when life is in chaos and things aren't going the way you want and you have the loss of a loved one and someone's sick or you're financially in trouble or things aren't waking the way that you like and you, and, and you sense yourself getting into anxiety and stress and worry, I want you to stop in this moment and remember that God has a big picture, a purpose that he is working out, that he is the sustainer of all things and one day that trumpet will blast and if you belong to him, you will go and be with him forever. You'll be judged and you'll be judged. God will look at you through the glasses of Jesus. The blood, what you are washed in the blood. And you will go to that seventh feast, living with him in eternity forever. Look to him in your struggles because God's got a big picture. Was that heavy? That was heavy. Did we go Okay. The second thing I want to talk to you about today is it's, it's harvest time. When I first started leading LifeGate Church, my wife and I um, went on a holiday. Did we have kids back in? Yeah, we had a couple of kids in 2008. And I, we, I came back, it was an October holiday, and one of the ladies in this room, Nikki, and her, and her son, Ian, had gotten to my backyard and planted a vegetable garden. And let me tell you, it was incredible. It had corn and tomatoes and beans and lettuce and all this great stuff, and I've never had anything like it ever again. And it had strawna, and she just, Nikki, thank you. It was a beautiful thing. And, you know, I, was, I just wanted to go and um, grab the, the fruit and just eat it, but I couldn't because I wasn't ready for harvest. And so I watered, and I watered until those corns did those little things on top and the tomatoes were almost red, pull them off, put them on the windowsill. 
and the beans were the right length so you can eat them. I had to wait until they were ready. And Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, says to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Now, a while ago, when I was, when, as a young man, I used to read this text and say, why would Jesus want them to wait? They've just witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. They've seen him arisen from the dead. Surely that is enough excitement and enthusiasm for you to go, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, and just go and tell everyone about it. But Jesus says, I don't want you to go yet. Why? Because it's not the appointed time. Remember this? The feast. Jesus rose on the first fruits, Easter Sunday, three. But the appointed time of giving the Holy Spirit and sending into the world was feast four, day of Pentecost. It wasn't the appointed time, but when the appointed time happened, Jesus filled them with the Spirit and he sent them out with power to be his witnesses in the world. And right now, friends, right now, friends, it's, it's harvest time. We are currently living between four and five. Hear this. We are currently living between four and five. Four was the beginning of the wheat harvest. But then they had to go and get the rest of the wheat. And we, Jesus, is asking me and he's asking you to go and witness and bring in the wheat. Which are the people? Go and get the people of this world who belong to God. Go and share your story. Witness all that Jesus has done in your life. Share it with others and bring them to him because the trumpet, number five, will sound. And then that's the end, when Christ returns. We're in this window between the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Trumpets. It's harvest time. Jesus says, go out into the harvest field and harvest and bring in. Now is the time, God is saying, to go and get people and bring them into the kingdom. It's not, it's not time to wait. It's time to go because one day that trumpet will blast. Over the last three weeks, um, last three messages I've shared um, with, with you, I've spent time in the beginning of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, it talks about Paul, um, Luke writes in my former book about the gospel of Luke. I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And in that first message, I talked about how Jesus, what we see in Luke's gospel, is only the beginning of what he's done. And then through the book of Acts, we see Jesus working and throughout church history, and Jesus is still working today. And he's inviting me, and he's inviting you, and you, and you, and you, and you to partner with him in seeing what he wants done on the earth. And how much he uses me and you has a lot to do with me and you. And our willingness to surrender, our willingness to be obedient, the willingness to say like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, here I am, God, use me. He's asking us to partner with him. Then we looked at the baptism in the Holy Spirit from Acts 1.8, where Jesus says that he wants to give you power in order that you may be his witnesses. And to be a witness is simply sharing what you've seen Jesus do in your life. And then today, we've said that God has a big picture that he's seeing fulfilled through the feast and Jesus fulfilling them. 
and it's also harvest time. And in Acts chapter 2, we see a glimpse of it as Peter preaches and 3,000 are saved. And now we're in this season of presenting the message, going to get the harvest until the trumpet sounds. When is that? We don't know. But we know it will because God keeps his promises. God is super, super clear that he wants us to be partnering with him. He wants us to be empowered to be his witnesses. Because of God's big picture and it's harvest time. Here's a question for you today as we come to the end of this message. What's blocking you from being a witness for Jesus? What's blocking you? Jesus is still working. He wants to work in you and through you if you're obedient and you surrender. We know he wants to empower you so you can be a witness. We know it's harvest time. The time is now to go and to bring him in. So what's blocking you right now from being a witness for Jesus? I'm going to say something a bit rough. I'm going to give you something a bit, a bit fire and brimstone. Is that okay? Well, bad luck. Here it comes. Six. When the trumpet sounds, then there's the judgment, day of atonement. And the Bible talks about two judgments. The first judgment is... If you're a Christian, you're welcomed into his family and seven, you have a big party, right? But with six, if you don't belong to Jesus, the Bible says you'll be sent away from God. It's a place of death, destruction, hell. The Bible uses all those words to describe it. Separation from God for eternity. That's the first judgment. And if you're a Christian, that's nothing to worry about. If you're in Jesus, you're in Jesus. Woohoo, we're in. But then there's a second judgment. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about it. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks around what have you done? What have you done with what God's given you? It's a judgment around obedience and rewards. Where God is going to say to you, what have you done with what I've given you? And I've shared very clearly three messages. He wants you to go. He wants you to share. He's empowered you to do it. He's given you all the information, your story that you need to share. You know it's harvest time. Jesus wants to work through, you know all this stuff. And so now, God's going to be hold you accountable to what you do with this information that you have. I told you it's a bit fire and brimstone. Now, this isn't a salvation issue. You will go into heaven. But as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, if you're disobedient, well, you'll, be, you'll be one like those who just escaping the flames. That's, that's a little phrase he uses. I call them hot bumps. You get a hot bump, you know, because you're running out of the flames. You're a Christian, but you're not, you're not doing the thing that he wants you to be doing. If you want an awesome reward in eternity, and remember this is 80 years, eternities, or 90 years, praise God, 95 years, praise God. Eternities forever. Make choices today that affect that. That's a fire and brimstone bit. So let's come back to this. What's blocking you from being a witness? I want you to spend a minute, 30 seconds. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God, do this at home if you're watching this online. What's blocking me from being a witness? Holy Spirit, reveal it to me. So Father, we pray that you will reveal to us what's blocking us from being a witness. That we would recognize it, we would confess it, and that we choose to live differently. Spend 30 seconds. Ask the Lord now. Now the first step in being a witness is actually having Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord.
And if you're watching this online or if you're in the room and you've never committed your life to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity right now. If you want to commit your life to Jesus, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer, Jesus, you've just become a Christian and now God is calling you to be a witness for him. My prayer for you, and I'm going to pray for each one of us. Father, we pray that we would be outstanding witnesses for Jesus. The word you, the scripture uses the word ambassador. The word you, the, the uh, scripture uses the people of the way, Christians. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you prepared in advance for us to do. Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit in order that we may be witnesses. And these blockages that have come to our minds, that we would recognize them. God, that you would fill us with your spirit so we will be bold. You would fill us with your spirit so we'd have the words to say. That you'd fill us, God, with your spirit that we may have courage to proclaim to our family and friends what Jesus has done in our lives. Give us all that we need, God, that we may partner with you to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to say goodbye to those watching online. Thanks for being part of it. Go and be a witness for Jesus. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.